0: ...who show us how they are bringing a little bit of awesomeness along their individual journeys. Our hope is to inspire you to always keep pushing and to stay awesome along the way. The most honest thing one can do in terms of catering to your personal growth is admitting what you don't know. Having the vulnerability to approach things with both humility as well as curiosity is a big step. I did not know about ADHD. I'd heard about the condition and, like everyone else, had my own preconceived notion of what it was. Parenting is both about trial and error... When our daughter started displaying some particular character traits and noticeable signs such as absent-mindedness, hyperactivity, fidgeting, I can't say I picked up on it at first glance. My wife had her concerns, but I was the one to brush things off as just benign childish behavior. I had to admit there was more to it. I felt I had the responsibility to put in the time, patience and empathy, not to judge or throw my hands up in resignation, but actually shift my perspective and hopefully give myself and my daughter the necessary tools that would help her rather than hinder her. Which is why I was thrilled when Dr. Catherine Kui graciously accepted my invitation to be a guest on the podcast. As a Texan-turned-Minnesotan, with a passion in supporting youth and families impacted by ADHD, Catherine is a licensed child and adolescent psychologist with more than 20 years of experience, specializing in pediatric neuropsychological assessment and treating children with developmental disorders such as ADHD and autism. As a speaker, advocate, and creative spirit, Catherine is also a caring, married mother of two and the author of the touching memoir, Raising Will, Surviving the Brilliance and Blues of ADHD, where she chronicles her own truthful journey of navigating the zigs, zags, and in betweens of parenting a child with ADHD. I want to thank Catherine for her time and knowledgeable insight in helping this humble dad do better by his little girl. Another amazing conversation, which I do hope you'll enjoy. So let's get into this Awaken the Awesome, episode 124 with Dr. Catherine Kui. Here we go. How we ended up here, and this is something that I really want the listeners eventually when we get to this recording, is how I want people to understand how. Uh, manifestation actually is something that's very real and you know what you need to trust the process it's kind of a selfish thing but eventually my wife is always telling me like okay so what's next so what's next so what's next we have a lot of conversations and you know what (laughs) and in regards to um, what we've been you know experiencing and living with uh, our daughter uh, who's now seven and you know Eventually, we, we got to the point where we actually did go see a therapist and we went to see a counselor just to get her diagnosed and stuff. And eventually, um, what happened is that I told my wife, I really would like to sit with an ADHD expert, like someone who like a child, you know, psychiatrist, you know, the specialist in the ADHD realm, because yeah. it's something that we're experiencing at such an intimate level. And we understand it's a very particular, not every child's special, every child is wonderful. But it's, it's been an experience for us. And everything we're yeah. dealing with it's like so real and so raw and so genuine. It's like, okay, sometimes you understand that you need help because it's a particular type of situation. Yeah. And when I actually wrote that down in the list of, you know, people that I'd like to have on the show. But this is when I want to tell the listeners. Like, guys, if you want something, you need to put in the action. And eventually, I just wrote down ADHD expert. That was kind of, a you know, maybe a couple of months ago. And eventually, you know, I just type a hashtag on Instagram and I found you and I found your blog and I read, I saw your YouTube channel and I just saw the introduction as to your why. And I'm like, that hits so hard. (laughs) I'm like, that's (laughs) my (laughs) friend. And here we are. I'm like, here we are. Oh, here we are. So Dr. Catherine Cui, thank you so much. As again, as it's a very emotional thing for me to have you on the podcast, but thank you so much. I'm repeating myself, but thank you very much for accepting the invitation and welcome to the Awakening oh. Awesome Podcast. Thank you for being here.
1: You have to call me Catherine though.
0: You okay, promise, me. promise.
1: Call me Catherine because that'll, that'll just make it even more casual and comfortable for me.
0: what do you you think is my mom's a doctor as well and she always like drilled it into us like the person worked really hard for that title so (laughs) (laughs) so pay homage
1: (laughs) It, it is true and I do you know I do appreciate that but I also feel like I think so many of the kids that I see it depends on on what I'm noticing with that child if for example if they're very very defiant or something I might have them stick to Doctor Quee for a little bit, mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, but many times kids are a little afraid if they think of me as a doctor or um, okay, you know it's a funny role. But yeah, I do. Um, you can just call me Catherine. We can just be promise, yeah. promise
0: no problem but you know one thing as i was telling uh just before we started to recording i was reading your book uh, i started reading it uh, you know earlier in the week and it's so funny as i said for us for my wife and i it's so intimate and so raw uh to hear your words you know coming with such truth and um such vulnerability so first of all thank you so much uh for raising will you know surviving the brilliance and blues of adhd And uh, we're definitely going to talk about the book. But for me, one thing that really hit me was actually in the first opening lines, and even in the prologue, because something really hit me, and I'm just going to read it off, basically. Patience is imperative if you love someone with ADHD. Otherwise, you will chip away at their soul and yours. And that is so apropos in regards to what we go through. Um, And again, this is as much for parents of kids Generally, but for people raising children, young children with ADHD, that is so very real, especially in this current, you know, situation that we're living, as you put in your blog post, your wonderful blog post about, you know, for parents who are just thrust in the situation of having to deal with these kids 24 seven for God knows how, how, how much time patience is the key. Patience is it, it's it's you can throw that out there. But I'm sure that in your practice and in your own experience, you know, raising your own son. Patience is not is easier said than done.
1: Oh, so true. And I had a really funny thing happen the other day. Someone wrote me on my Instagram that quote. I had had that quote on my Instagram and, and uh, someone wrote me and said, I want you to know that as someone that has ADHD, it's so hard for us to be patient because we find so many people and things boring. (laughs) And I thought it was very funny because the truth is my son has told me how patient he has to be with the rest of the world because his brain thinks so quickly about so many things. And he knows, he predicts what someone's going to say many times with a direction. Or, and it's, it's agony for him to have to uh, listen to us, too.
0: And... You know, the fact that you just say that, the fact that their brains are always running and you see that. And I'm only going from my own experience. I'm not a social worker. I'm not a therapist. I don't have the experience. I'm only going at this from the very vulnerable and naive perspective of a parent. Something as, you know, early as yesterday. You know, I'm trying to teach her how to ride a bike because we bought her a bike uh, Mm -hmm. a couple of weeks ago. And, okay, now is the appropriate time because there's nobody in the streets. So, okay, we're going to go ride our bike. I'm trying to explain just security procedures. Okay, babe. Gonna get on your bike and then we're gonna go do this we're gonna do this we're gonna do that and you already see it in her eyes all she wants to do is gun it that's 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 where her brain is and every single time and all the all the all the literature i've been reading because we do reading and the thing is you understand all the time it's not them it's their brain it's not them it's their brain they're not brats it's their brain it's not you it's their brain but for parents, it is so hard because you you just don't understand it. But at the, that, we go back to the patients again. It's their brain. And, you know, again, not to get an entire, like, you know, just a crash course, but what is going on in their brain, Catherine?
1: Well, um, a lot. So ADHD, there are chemical differences as well as structural differences in the brain of a child with ADHD. So chemically certain neurotransmitters are not firing as effectively in the brain. And so neurotransmitters such as dopamine and norepinephrine that provide stimuli um, are not at the same level. So, so a lot of things, like there's some experimentation with natural subs- supplements like fish oil that have been associated with a rise in dopamine in the brain and Ritalin, which is a stimulant also increases dopamine. So that's that chemical piece. And then from a structural piece, there's also a lot of research shows that the frontal lobe, not just the frontal lobe, but other aspects, other parts of the brain is a little bit smaller in a lot of kids with ADHD.
0: We always have a tendency, I, I know for myself, because like, when it really started to kick in for us is when we realize in periods where she'd be totally attentive and totally super excited and super involved and so dynamic and creative. And other times you're speaking to her and it's like she's on another planet, like yes. she's gone. She's so phased out. Is that is that typical?
1: Yes. Um, it, some kids, it's a lot more significant than others. I mean, really like autism, ADHD is a, in many mental health differences, there, it's like a spectrum, right? And so mm-hmm. for some kids that dazed expression and difficulty, at, you know, focusing and, and is a lot more pronounced than others. For my son, I remember him in the mornings, early in the mornings and I write about this too, but how hard he was to reach uh, because he would just be staring ahead. And in fact, a lot of parents will first bring their child to a neurologist because they're wondering if maybe their child might be having like absence seizures or something because they can't get their child's attention or they have their hearing tested first or double Mm -hmm. tested tested three times because they're like, something is going on here. Yeah. So difficulty attending and really Russell Barkley talks a lot about that it with ADHD and Russell Barkley is one of the biggest researchers in the field. And he says, it's not a diagnosis that affects attention as much as the ability to shift attention. Okay. So shifting off of something is really, really hard for kids with ADHD. So That's why transitions are harder. And so if your child is looking at something or engaged in a television program and you call attention, you you call them, getting their eyes off of that, that shifting off is just a lot more difficult for them.
0: Guys, supper, come on, come on, let's go to dinner. Supper's on the table and they were watching a show and she's just like so drilled in.
1: Drilled in, you're right. You know, and so it's all of those environmental supports that we as parents have to do to really help create our environment so that it's structured well for a child with ADHD. So that if we want the child to shift, that we are doing what we can to forewarn that we're going to turn the TV off at this time, if we can, and then we're going to turn it off, and then we're going to then ask the child to shift because. With that screen on, it can be really impossible for a lot of kids to shift their focus. You'll see them even trying to turn their own face sometimes.
0: Oh, wow. One one thing that we've definitely experienced with this entire um, um, self-isolation thing is the fact that, okay, we as well, first of all, have had to tip our hat off uh, to the teachers and oh. caretakers. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. It's, uh, it's, it's a very huge dose of humble pie um, to all the teachers and all the wonderful caretakers on a daily basis from our nine to five. Uh, you guys definitely deserve, you know, all the recognition and all the praise oh. because it is something, for especially from our position. But one thing I have realized, especially for for our kids, my wife and I basically, um, after the first three days of pandemonium, we're like, okay, we're gonna make a schedule. And I realized <laughs> yeah. that my daughter responds really well. We have like a whiteboard, I'm like, okay breakfast is at this time, I'm going to do a little gym workout, do some yoga, we're going to do this, going to do that, do, do this and that, do this and this, this and that. And she responds really well to that. Yeah. Structure, as my understanding, I don't know if that's something that resonates, but structure for them seems to be something that works. If they know what's coming, they can actually get on board. Yes. Is, that, is that something that's typical?
1: It's very typical. I think that structure is that's what's so hard oliver because a lot of families this is highly genetic and so really a lot of the research shows that ha one parent often i mean 50 percent of the time one parent has adhd i mean oh wow so then you are having to do so much help for the family to help them see the importance of a schedule and really teaching parents and they'll say hey you know, this is about my child getting help. And what, what really the point is, is that you're, you, you have to be the one to do so much for the child to help them function better. Um, and so a schedule is great, not that children are going to, you know, the, the child with ADHD may struggle more throughout the day than the other child even with a schedule but it is something that is you know yeah it's highly recommended as well as rewards and they don't have to be like big monetary things but giving that child gratification for doing something hard is really good giving them something like praise praise praise
0: okay Okay. See, because these are things that we've learned. Both uh, uh, again, you know, it's good and for the good and the bad. Because again, every parent, as I believe, there are no manual, and every child is different. Every household is different. Every yeah. uh, no parental background is different. And this is where also I'm, I'm speaking to the parents listening into this call. Um, it's very important to learn not to take things personally and I think there's a lot of that also in your book uh, because it really came from a personal place but you know not to get you know too ahead of it where did that stem from you know where what what gave birth to the book eventually because you called it a really huge 100 page rant but what what happened to that
1: (laughs) It, it started as a big rant actually and then I um well I was new to Minnesota I'm from Texas and Minnesota was so different for me um, I am married to a Minnesotan, um, but the culture here was so different in terms of people. Are you know they're they're much more stoic and private and all that here. And so I felt like I, I you know, I have my close close friends all over the country, but I didn't have a best friend here. And so I just. My son was struggling so much in school, and my husband was having such a hard time coming to terms with it, that I, it was really hard to talk with him in the way I needed to talk to somebody. So I just started writing about it. Um, that's really, and it felt like the safest place to, to talk, because I didn't have close friends that I could share that stuff with here. Plus I was professional. Mm-hmm. And I, I could be so vulnerable in my writing about things that were really bothering me. And I could sort them out as I wrote them. I could just figure out what, where my pain was and really what I needed to do next.
0: And that sounded so, why it resonated so well uh, for me, at least, is because through these Um, adventures and misadventures and trying to deal with these circumstances. And I want people to feel comfortable because this is something that as parents is going to come probably as a taboo because you want to love your child, you want to do better because all parents are trying to do their best. But for us, and that's why it really hit me through reading your lines, it's because, you know, you don't know because it. you said it yourself, it affects everybody it affects the child it affects the parents and it affects the parents individually because every person has their own perspective on a thing even yeah. when we had to get our child when even when we when my wife suggested okay you know what we need to have her see a specialist no nothing's wrong with her and that's me <laughs> nothing's wrong with her she's just hyperactive she's just like needs more structure And because i was raised very firm it's like she just needs more structure she's just misbehaving that was me and i'm totally open with that but it's when yeah. First of all, there was the first meeting with us because it it was two meetings. The first meeting was with us, the parents. Like, what is your perspective? As in me, what is the mother's perspective? As in my wife. And then when you know we met, when she met with with our daughter, and we realized, oh, okay, you know what? And then the reports came in. Like, listen, you both are concerned. You both see the same things as us. You're both going about it differently. So emotionally speaking. Um, you know, in terms of how we should address it, sure, there are differences, but through emotions, we're both dealing with stuff like me, I felt like, how can I best help my daughter? My wife is like, okay, I just want my daughter to be okay at school. I just want her to have a normal day. I don't want her to feel so like there's something broken. I don't want to, like you said, chip away at her soul. And it's in these conversations that need to be had. And what I'm hearing from you and from your wonderful book is the fact that, parents also need to have these conversations, not just address the condition, but they need to have that communication because that's also important for the child's well-being.
1: Right. That is so much of what I end up doing is, is talking to dads in sessions and trying to kind of help them warm up to the process. Cause often the mom is the one bringing the information or it's not always a dad and mom. I mean, I see all kinds of couples, um, two dads and two moms and all kinds of things. But often if we're just talking about traditionally what I've seen in my years of practice is often a a mom coming and saying, I'm concerned about my child. My husband is, um, doesn't think there's a problem. And so I'll say, well, let's have your husband come to a meeting. And I just, and then often what happens is, is many times the husband, shares that he struggled terribly in school and his pain starts coming out. Um, and he doesn't want, and so it's really interesting. And then that, then the trust develops that, you know, I'm not going to force any kind of treatment or anything on the family. I just want them to have information and, And it takes time to develop that connection. So, but so often somebody and one of the parents has struggled in school and has a lot of shame around it.
0: The thing is, and I'm being very open, just the fact that I'm hearing you and, you know, your expert advice right now, I'm asking, I'm really going back to school myself and I'm asking myself, hmm, hyperactive. Always on a on a, as my parents used to say, on a stage because I was very exuberant. But there yeah. was a very also a very big period where I, if I'm just talking about myself, I were, there was a lot of insecurities in regards to oh I don't have a lot of friends and I better keep to myself and not really
1: going mm. out.
0: But I've always very expressive in other ways. I did theater, I uh, did you know just uh, local community radio. I didn't go out much. I didn't have that big of a social circle. It's only when, like, a couple of years, like after college, when I decided to drive a shift, where I'm like, I started being a little bit more outgoing and be more aware of my exuberantness, if you will. Mm. But I really parallel that, and just hearing you say that, I also, it also goes back to something my wife said. Like, huh, that the, is it possible that you know you're so in tune to her feelings because she reminds you of you. And I'm like, I, I brushed that off, but just hearing you say that right now, I'm like, huh, two seconds. Maybe me. I I don't know. Maybe, maybe, who knows? Well, maybe it's me.
1: There's definitely pieces of you. Right. And so it's just a matter of how much that, yeah, I, I think in, in, you know, you remind me a lot of my son because he's been very big in theater growing up. He did children's theater and he, he was he seemed so confident on the exterior and he in many ways he, he seemed to other people. He talked to adults and, and really just was people would say, Wow, he makes my day. He looks at me and says, Well, hi, Mr. So and so. And he um he just has had that and I talk about that brilliance and meaning the special quality. And I I think you're describing that you have had it in terms of your broadcast. Mm -hmm. It's a special something. And, and it is what I see in many people who have, who are on that ADHD spectrum, whether you are, you aren't, you have pieces, right. And those Mm contribute to your child. Mm -hmm. And so I always, the thing that was kind of tricky for me is I thought my son was more confident. I think as he got older, And the demands in school and other things increased. I mean, he had had a lot of tutoring, a lot of help, but I think he has revealed, I know he has later through different podcasts he's been on and different things. This is my whole experience has really forced him to (laughs) look at other parts of himself too and the pain he's had. He's talked a lot about some things he didn't, you know, just getting in trouble a lot in school. And um, there was one teacher of his that, uh, you know, he had no idea. I mean, he actually was fascinated with William's musical ability and this teacher was just simply called will out to in the hall one day to tell him about a new song he was listening to but Mm -hmm. he had no idea that when this teacher called him in the hall that like will like completely panicked because he had been called in the hall so many times for talking and being disruptive you know so for that experience of will he doesn't show it but many times you know there's a lot that he is held internally about his pain, that he's working out.
0: And how can we um, engage? Um, because we don't want, and this is something that, you know, my wife and I talked a lot about. We don't want our impatience or our confusion or our insecurity to actually overbear our child to the point where, you know what, they don't feel comfortable reaching out to us. They, they're just going to shut down. How can we avoid to, to get to that point because we're just trying to do our best. Again, can, can you give us a couple of tips and how to, you know, better invite them to just like, you know, just navigate these muddy waters, unfortunately, because we're both trying to learn.
1: Yeah. You know, one of the things that, you know, we, I would say it's always been my role, but my husband has gotten so much better. He has um, gotten so much. He's very open talking about ADHD now. And he he's great about it. He's really he, he knows so much about the diagnosis. And it seems like whenever one of us is getting kind of fed up, like he went to go pick up my son at college not that long ago. My son was at um, Oberlin Conservatory, and it wasn't a great fit for him. He stayed for a year. He was in the jazz program and then, He transferred just recently to a conservatory closer and my husband went to go get him. And he was, when he got there, William had not packed his room up very well. And, you know, he knew my husband was coming, but he still was just not. And he was so mad at my son. Um, He was just so mad at him. Um, And so these are the things that then he and my son are able to repair, you know, after the fact, you know, he was able to, he didn't like go crazy on him, but he showed a lot of disappointment and frustration. And my husband can definitely have a temper around things that he doesn't get. Like he doesn't, you know, so we each have to really remind each other. Like I have to say when he went to get Will recently to bring him home for the coronavirus, (laughs) Because, you know, all the college students came home.
0: Obviously, everything shut down. Mm
1: Right? And so I just said to him, listen, you know, remember, it's a brain thing. And it's important that we, William's doing well in school. And I always kind of say, academically, he's thriving. He's a good person. Like, we know how sensitive he is. So please be patient. It, It doesn't matter if it takes a few extra hours you know, he's trying to please you, Bill. And I always say that. And, you know, this time William was all packed and ready and he'd really learned from it. Mm -hmm. And so I have to, you know, and my husband will say things to me when either of us is getting kind of too upset or frustrated or worried. What happens is we get anxious and worried and then we escalate to being mad, but it stems from worry usually. Yeah. So we keep co- each other in mind, you know, and, and we just try to go back to that. What do you want your child? Do you want your child to have a close connection with you and to feel like they can come with a fit with anything and say, this really, this happened and I screwed oh, this up and we always want that. Right. And so we have to yeah. keep the relationship strong.
0: That so that's so true. That's so true. Um, because. You know what? Again, still reading your book, and uh, you're talking about you know different um, different remarks uh, that Will got. You know, and you know this this, that 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 was so resonating for me. Like you know, often leaves seat, needs a lot of supervision, talks a lot, daydreams, easily distracted. And you put it yourself. Same thing for our daughter. She's super bright, super bright. And as you said, she gets bored easily, and we got that in parent teacher parent teacher meetings. So yeah, she's super bright. You know, right now, like you know, she knows numbers beyond her class, and not trying to oh. boast my own kid she's super right she can give you you know like you know countries and capitals and, and languages wow. she speaks three languages and she's seven she's super right but for basic stuff like here in Quebec of course obviously there's snow so now okay so you go and get her on 5 30 okay go to your locker go get dressed some kids two minutes they're gone yeah. 20 minutes I'm still here
1: you are I'm still here
0: I'm still here because she's at she's at her locker and then she'll see another friend. like, Hey, Jasmine. Hi. Give me a hug. Hey. Remember? Hey, teacher, a person. Hi. Hi. Dad. Look, I did this drawing. Look, come Like, could you please go get dressed 20 minutes in? And like, and the teachers know this like, are we ready today? And sometimes we've tried everything. Sometimes we'll put a timer. Like, hey, babe, if we can do this under five minutes, you know, I'll give you a cartoon. Like, you know, we can watch a cartoon when we get home. It's like sometimes it goes well. Sometimes she had a long day and she's tired so you have to roll with the punches but we're learning again she's seven she's still growing when we understand also back to patience again it's a long-term process but
1: yeah, you have to learn she will keep growing and maturing and there'll be a lot of really cool things that you don't take for granted that she is able to do like when she starts i remember for will like when Let's see, it was probably his freshman year in high school that he was really taking control of a lot of his. I could back up more with him academically. He had a 504 accommodation plan in place and he was taking advanced placement classes and he, you know, he'd done the tutoring and a lot of things. So his writing skills were stronger and he did not need us checking if his assignments were in, I mean, I still saw a lot of panic from him at times when he realized things, but I could step back and, and we found ways to move ourselves out of it more like having a math tutor come into the house, which was a 20-year-old student, a son of a friend of mine, and he would come uh-huh. in and meet with him like three days a week to do advanced like calculus and stuff because William could do it, but he really needed somebody sitting by him slowly walking him through the steps one-on-one okay and then he was able to get it so we just we figured out ways to keep our house from exploding with frustration basically
0: and on that front, um, because, again, my wife and I, sometimes, you know, we, we might bicker sometimes because, again, my wife is like, okay, we're going to give her tools. We're going to try and find different systems and processes and, like, you know, and try to collaborate with the school and everything. And I am also like, okay, fine. This is her condition. This is her superpower, but also this is her crutch. So we're we're just going to yeah. try to work both, both facets of the superpower. Not a problem, but um, I also again this again pure vulnerability here the person also has to manifest a little bit of effort and sometimes i don't want to be judgy but like dude come on let's let's try this let's not break down into sorrow here okay enough with the tears let's just let's try to get through this but daddy this is hard and sometimes you understand the teachers and sometimes when they say that we're trying it's just that you know she's she she needs she needs to sit this one out and sometimes it's really true and yeah. how how do you work the kids through that? How do you work with the teachers? Is it do we do we try to have different type of systems? Because again, I'm not an educator. I'm just asking at this yeah. as a parent.
1: You know, you will be able to know. I, I feel like there's one actually one of the teachers that I wrote about that was an amazing influence and was such a wonderful support to him. She came to my book launch and there's pictures, you know, on the website, I think of her hugging well and stuff. But anyway, she, um, she just naturally understood what he needed. She let him stand, you know, by his desk when he needed to. She let him you know, she, she kept him from being disruptive, but she understood a lot about ADHD and just, I think truly she was just a gifted teacher in this realm. Mm -hmm. Um, and if a teacher is being punitive, like we had a teacher once who William, I don't know, he just couldn't get his name on his papers. So he wouldn't write his name. And so then she would just, and of course, you know, he had like the worst handwriting in the class. So you'd think it was very distinctive handwriting, but she she was so bothered by the fact that he didn't have his name. So one time she held the whole class in as a way from recess to help him learn. Somehow that was her view of helping him learn the
0: concept. Oh, wow.
1: Oh, no for not putting his name. And it's like, those are the things as a parent that I am not comfortable with saying, you know, this is something that my child should probably just learn some natural consequences here. That is Mm -hmm. not one.
0: No, Um, no. Right.
1: So singling
0: out is never a good, never a good solution. As far as I'm concerned, that's me, but I don't think you should single out just one individual in that regard. no. No.
1: So, you know, my whole thing is to really know that, I need to help the teacher a lot. And the teacher, you know, as a parent, your job is to not just have the teacher support your child, but for you to be the parent saying, what can I do to help you? What can we do as a family to help learning easier with my child? Like, do you, you know, so that's my gig is try to connect with the teacher and form that alliance, that collaboration. So you're a team. Um, Sometimes it's really harder. You know, I've had teachers, and I think this is really gonna change more and more, but there are teachers who don't know much about ADHD, and and my strategy was like to send them like articles. Well, you know, that's not the, I didn't really know what to do. Um, My son went to a school where the children, there weren't, I wanna say, you know, there's there's eight to 11% of kids have ADHD. But, oh, that,
0: wow. That's a, that's a big number. 8 yeah,
1: to 11. 8 to wow. 11%. Those are the latest numbers on the diagnostics on children with ADHD. So we as a community, really, it's important to, to understand this diagnosis and to really understand that parents are trying their best and that teachers are going to be learning more and more and more. I mean, we just had a strike in our neighborhood on teachers who were not willing to the school district was trying, you know, they, they were not going to continue with some of the supports for kids that have ADHD and other diagnoses and the teachers striped about it and, and got more funding. Um, but I guess as you'll know in your gut, that's what I usually tell people. If something doesn't feel right and your child feels like you can sense that, that whatever consequence doesn't feel right to you, then trust mm-hmm. your gut and talk with the teacher
0: we need to work as a team. Needs to communicate. Needs to know, okay. How can we best work together in the interest of the child?
1: Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. I, it's in every year is different. In some years, it's important to try. You know, we had certain years where Will really needed medication, and then the year that he had an incredible teacher, he didn't need medication that year because he was doing a ton of sports. I actually think he probably would have benefited a little bit that year too, but he was having such an appetite problem that um, we did not have him take medicine that year, but, but the teacher was so kind to him that it was okay because she was more tolerant.
0: So on that front, um, because we're still on the fence where we're totally on the side and still exploring different variables because, you know, friends have asked us, are you going to medicate her? Are you going to medicator? Are you going to medicator? What type of questions should we be asking ourselves before, you know, how can you guide us in return in regards to making that decision?
1: You know, um, I think it is something that you work with a professional first, who's a child mm-hmm. psychologist or a similar type of professional to establish rapport. So you have that person that's really providing you with education and building a relationship with your daughter.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So you have that connection going and you're implementing things at home and really trying those strategies to help, you know, kids with ADHD often struggle with bedtime and food can be tricky. So there's a lot of little tricky things because their sensory systems are, are different. So many times those kind of everyday things can be trickier. So you try to get those kinks worked out as well as you can. And if your child is still, you know, one of the things about ADHD is that we're learning that regulating emotion, we've always known it, but we haven't attributed it to ADHD, that coping is harder. And they're Mm -hmm. learning that coping is a lot harder for kids. It's not just difficulty focusing or being impulsive or overactive. And so if that child is having multiple tantrums or is starting to dislike themselves or feel defeated regularly you know it's it children have a lot of mood swings many times every day but if you're seeing oh, a boy. pattern right where that child is just kind of losing their zip you know many times parents feel like they like they have to wait for this long period and it, it, the medication is something that should enhance life and make life easier. And like Edward Hallwell, um, he just did a podcast where he interviewed my son and he's the guy who wrote Driven to Distraction. And he's written tons and tons of books about ADHD. And he was talking to my son about meds because, you know, he endorsed my book and he feels like he kind of knows Will now. And so he was saying, so Will, you know, what's going on, they had some, and my son was telling him that for him, the side effects have made it, you know, have made medication harder at different points. And he said, William, you should never change, you the medication should only diminish your appetite and, you know, affect sleep somewhat. And those should be things that can be addressed, you know, with melatonin or something like that, but that mm-hmm. your personality, like your entire being should not change. Like you shouldn't feel really depressed or really anxious. It should be that it helps you. Um, So, he, and he's a psychiatrist as well as a, an author and he has ADHD himself.
0: Oh, wow. So okay.
1: Yeah. You should look him up. He has a podcast called distraction and
0: I'll write it down. Okay.
1: His name is Edward Howell. he is lovely. And he and a, another psychiatrist named John Rady wrote, Driven to Distraction, which is probably the first big book that people embraced and really started getting what is ADHD. But I think that it depends on how you're, don't view it as a last ditch effort. Like, oh my gosh, we're gonna wait till our child is just like, our whole family is so stressed and our child is really sad. It isn't something bad to experiment with something, to to have your child have a medication to help her if she's struggling a lot. I mean, there's really, and if you've already worked really hard, there's nothing wrong with that. You have to have a prescriber that has really good reputation and that that person is the kind of person that'll get back with you quickly and that you really trust and all that.
0: Okay. Okay. And you know what? Thank you so much for driving that home in regards to, you know, how to probably structure like, you know, bedtime and everything. And I just want to give this a little note as a little win to all the parents listening. It is possible because we're just trying to work together and everybody's trying to make sense of this thing called ADHD. So I'm just here to tell people, listen, guys, it's possible because my daughter, my kids, it took some time. It took some years, but there is bedtime in our That's household, so 730, 7.30, 8 p.m. They know it's already there. We have like, I've got a, this little alarm on my phone. It's like a very nice, you know, mantra, chakra, you know, yoga type thing. It just rings on my phone and it's just like the Pavlov reactions. Like It's already bedtime? It's already bedtime? Oh, okay. Might as well. Sometimes it's a little bit harder, but they already know it's 7.30 on every clock in the house. Okay, guys, let's go. It's already 7.30. It's already 7.30. It's already 7.30. See? So they, they're, they're, she, she knows it. She has it. And, you know, her brother just picks up, you know, and sometimes, you know, she not even, might even not even be sleepy, but she knows the routine. Sometimes she'll sneak in a bedtime story in there. But <laughs> it's definitely it's definitely something that's worked for us. So I'm really inviting people to try stuff out, whatever works in your household. Um, for us it's 7:30 p.m. between 7:30 and 8 they're both in bed and there's the routine you know, go to the bathroom brush your teeth go hugs kisses i love you her little routine and then put them down in bed and she's gone that's great that's a great thing and you were talking about mood swings as well sometimes like i said you know it's always you know the blues and the brilliance of uh, raising a child sometimes the blues are a little bit harder because sometimes maybe you know we had a little bit of a mood swings or we threw a tantrum where we weren't nice and maybe <laughs> uh-huh. we're not getting a story but it's not fair. You promised. You said we get a story. Let's try tomorrow. How about we try tomorrow? Tonight, you understand there's consequences, right? Yeah. yeah, but it's not fair. Sometimes you just have to. Again, I'm going through it and trying to make sense of it all as best I can. But I just want, guys, people people listening, this is coming from a real parent just dealing with it. A normal guy. You guys know me. It's it's possible. You know what? It is possible. You know? It's and we're so just,
1: Yeah, it's
0: something that people need to understand.
1: It is and I think we often get very close to our kids who in our families get really tight often when we're dealing with something extra Um, because we have to work extra hard sometimes to get things straightened out. Um, But your daughter sounds like, I mean truly, I think she she's got a real spark she she learns easily she's going to be a voracious learner that's not going to change Oh yeah.
0: oh yeah. She gets bored easily. You know, even her teachers let us know, like, seriously, they love having her around. She might be a handful, but the spunk, the the, the fierceness inside of her, like she always, t- she always, t- the teacher, we're blessed in that way as well. she just like you said, she's very accommodating. So she's like, she wants some, I'll give it to her. Like, you know, she'll probably be done and raise her hand. Like, okay, here, 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 like consume knowledge here, here you go. Give it to her. Cause that's what she wants.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, my son once he learned to read, the librarians in the neighborhood like gave him free passes to our state fair and all kinds of stuff because he would be over there all the time and they just were like this little person like needs an award for like all of the learning that's going on. Um that's a good thing.
0: That's a really good thing. That's a really yeah. good thing. And one question I did have though and Um, because I've got so many, but thank you so much for helping us, you know, just because it's, I'm really taking notes and it's really so enriching to understand, first of all, I'm not crazy (laughs)
1: and and I'm not
0: alone, but um, this one's very personal for the siblings, you know, because again, there's not just one child and, you know, the other child might not be dealing with that, but as we were talking about, not just on the parents, but the sibling, the other child, how do, because again, maybe they might feel like, why is this sibling getting so much attention, so much effort or so anything? How do we, Balance that because there is an impact on that child as well, isn't there?
1: I'm so glad you asked. And my daughter would be so glad. She's my next podcast guest, my daughter, um, because she just saw me do a talk and at a private school. And she was very overwhelmed afterwards at learning a lot of the information that she felt. First of all, she had some guilt because she felt like she didn't understand enough about her brother in certain areas when he was growing up, which I, I think we probably explained, but she just didn't remember, I, I, you know, honestly. And, and the other thing is she felt I didn't talk about siblings enough and that that is a huge part. So there's a few things. I have a blog that I wrote about siblings um, on my website, and a lot of it comes from her and what she felt, but she thinks it's important to make that other child also feel special and have special time with you. She gave an example about how my son, he was, he struggled with taking baths. He, he was, you know, lots of those kind of things, water or baths or getting hot or this or that were hard for him. And so I was shopping with her one day and she's three years younger. So he was probably seven. She was four. She was at the store with me and I was looking all through the children's bubble bath to try to find like the right little monster bubble bath for him. And apparently she, and I believe her, she wanted one too. And I said something like, I'm sure I was thinking like, oh, you can just use his, you know, we just need one that'll get him in the tub. You already get in the tub. And All right, she,
0: okay.
1: she's like, you know, she's a stoic child um, and she was very easy in, 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 in the areas that he wasn't, but she's like, she said when she was younger, she was mad about that. And she felt like she didn't understand a lot of it. And I get it. I, I think, so get the other bubble bath get your other child one too, (laughs) you know, if you're going to do, you don't always have to be, you know, tit for tat or whatever, but if you're going to do these, how does it hurt us as a parent when we're going to do something special for that child with ADHD that, you know, we have to do really to help them get to the next step, you know, think about the other one and, and, you know, just talk to the other one also and explain, you know, well, your brother or your sister You know, we do these things because this is harder and um, we're, you know, let's, let's go in the grocery store and and find something special for you too, like a special nail polish or whatever, you know,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: like another little something, you know, you're so burned out as a parent a lot of times that we're just not thinking about that other child, especially when the other one is so much easier. And that little easy one does need some things too. You know, obviously we're not neglecting them entirely, but they're not always going to tell us that they're feeling left out or they are not going to always say that.
0: Okay. So it's really it's really about being attuned to not just you know obviously the ADHD child but also the other child and understand that they have needs too and just make them feel special and what, again it might be just a bubble bath or just like you know just alone time with mom yeah. or dad you know just a little time doesn't a take little much
1: time the other thing is to not pit them some parents will pit them against each other unknowingly by saying like you know they might say to the one with ADHD, a lot of things like, you're the oldest, you should be doing this, you should be doing, and then in a way that's kind of pitting the siblings against each other because you're, you're criticizing that old one relative to the younger one. Um, And so, you know, it's, it's really trying to look at each child's skills differently. You know, the oldest, if that oldest, like you, your oldest has ADHD. So, you know, you let them shine where they shine and each child grows where they need to grow. Um,
0: Right. You need to listen. You need to listen.
1: Yeah. You need to listen. You need to listen, you know, those kind of things. And it's, you know, you know, we all do that. And I think it's important to also make a point of saying, we're not trying to do ADHD parenting perfectly. We are not. And, you know, I don't want to ever try to be that person because it's no fun trying to be perfect. You take the zest out of your entire family and it's just impossible, you know, so forgive yourself as a parent every day too, for, you know, the the ways that you're just learning.
0: And, um, uh, this is probably going to be my last one, but, um, it really matters to me to get this point out there. Again, for the parents listening, this is very important. What would you say to the parents, as again, you know, with the shame and the guilt, because this takes work. Um, patience has been a key word throughout this entire conversation, but this is, takes work and we're all human beings. When this, you know, entire pandemic thing happens, you know, the new normal is not going to, you know, shield us from the fact that we're going to have to go back to work and, the, you know, the routine is going to start up again. So, Life goes on. So yeah. we're going to have, we have to learn and we've learned Certainly learned that between my wife and I, you have to learn to take care of yourself. You can't get what you don't have something. I like to say, mm-hmm. so you're going to wear yourself out. So you need to also be aware about your own emotions as well. Don't you Not, yeah. not bring the toxicity into the nurturing of, because you're not helping the kid in that regard as well.
1: Yeah. And it's not fair to your children to say, you know, I don't have any time for myself because of you. Obviously, that's pretty harsh to say, and we would say it maybe in a different way, but your child also needs to see you, you know, even, you know, and everybody's different. I mean, if your child is like completely bouncing off the walls and, you know, the idea of maybe you doing Zen yoga, I, you know, I'm I'm trying to be realistic too, but it's important for your child to see you say, Mommy or dad is going to turn on this yoga tape and, and I'm going to be in downward dog in a second and you can join me if you want, but I have to calm myself down. I have to do what I need to do for me. Let them see you taking vitamins or let them see you like doing good things for you or, you know, do little sweet things for yourself so that they feel relieved that you're, you're going to be there for them. Wow.
0: And that matters so much, again, for the self, because again, this is going to take a lot of energy, of time, of love, yeah. um, but we're going to drive it home. It is possible, you know, throughout this wonderful book, throughout this wonderful conversation, this expertise. Catherine, I can't thank you enough. Again, I'm going to keep my oh. promise coming up on top of the hour. But again, it's been oh, yeah. a tremendous gem of a conversation. I feel so thrilled. I'm energized. I feel hopeful. Um, again, I can't thank you enough because it really meant a lot to me because this is not about, you know, just, you know, just having a guest on for me, first of all, it's really, you know, just crossing off a name off my list, even if it wasn't Catherine, oh. Puig, but definitely just crossing off ADHD expert off my guest list. Wow. Um, it's it's really a gem. But also it's uh, for me, my wife and all the parents out there. Thank you so much for all the wonderful work that you do. Um, I'm definitely going to invite everyone to pick up your book, Raising Will: Surviving the Brilliance and Blues of ADHD. But uh, time for shameless plugging. Where can the listeners connect with you on the interwebs?
1: Oh, they can. Um, so my website is kqadhd and the word and with the letter u dot com. So they can find me there and. I offer coaching and support to kids and families. And my book is the best way to get my book. They can get it from my website, which links to Amazon or just go right to Amazon. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, Oliver. And you're doing wonderful things. And I know your daughter, she's in such good hands. It makes me very happy.
0: Thank you. Thank you. I want to celebrate you and all your wonderful work. You, Bill, Will, definitely. When I make it down to Minnesota, I'm definitely going to stop by bring you some flowers because I'm so, so, so grateful uh, for your time, right. your expertise, and crew and tremendous, tremendous energy. Anytime, anytime, open, open invitation. I want you back anytime. We're definitely, okay. you have a friend in Canada.
1: Bye. You do too. Bye. <laughs> have,
0: have a tremendous evening. This has been another episode of the Awaken the Awesome podcast. We always love to get your feedback, so please do drop us a line via Instagram, Facebook, or email. Our email address, awakentheawesome at gmail.com. Do visit our official website at awakentheawesome.ca where you can find our entire back catalog of episodes and incredible guests. Also, if you haven't already...